Wednesday Live, I'm Graham Lynch. Today we're going to be doing a deep dive with Luke Hartsuka, who's hitting up the Regional Telecommunications Review. That's the triennial arrangement in Australian communications that looks at the state of telecoms outside of the cities. We'll be hearing the pitch of the review from Luke himself, and then an interview I conducted with him in between his hearings this week. But first up, Boost Mobile. They are a very successful MVNO and this week signed a new 10-year supply deal with Telstra for mobile services. And they've also flagged a bunch of plans to expand into new markets, including NBN Resale. Our chief editor, Simon Ducks, spoke with founder and CEO Peter Adderton this week. It's a fascinating interview. Here it is. Boost has always been a, um, uh, uh, an innovator in the mobile space, uh, so uh, it was an interesting deal that you've uh, done this. And I, I wanted to pick up on two things there. You're talking a little bit more about potentially looking at uh, MBM-based broadband and also mobile broadband, which I assume would be uh, Telstra's uh, 4G LTE and uh, potentially 5G markets. Uh, can you give me a little bit of information about that? Yes, I mean, just first of all, Boost has always been an innovator and we've always um, ensured that we continue to keep, you know, fighting for the consumers and creating new products. Um, on the 10-year deal, um, you know, it, it's historic because it's very rare that Telstra does a 10-year deal or that the MBNO brand would do a 10-year deal. Yeah. But when we looked at the, the, the changing landscape of where the world was going to go, we, we knew that Telstra was always going to be a leader as far as the network was concerned. So... You know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't our, you know, we weren't going to be jumping around. We believe that they really have a, a strong focus on being the best network in the country, both in 4G and in 5G. So we felt we were backing a winner, uh, there. So we were willing to sign on for, for, for 10 years because it really gives us the ability to play the long game. And, and a lot of carriers today play the short game. A lot of the MBNOs play the short game. So we've given ourselves an opportunity to play the long game and, and come after that. We wanted to expand our products. You know, I, I'm a big believer that I think over the next five years, people will be basically buying their service, uh, you know, their connectivity or their network as a service or a connectivity service. So you'll basically come to Boost or you'll come to Telstra or you'll come to Vodafone and you'll basically be buying all of your um, all of your products from them, right, all of your yeah. data that connection needs. So to have the post-pay product, to have the NBN uh, Boost product and to have the prepaid product was a natural fit for us if you think that over the next, you know, three to five years that, Everyone's going to be providing the the kind of bundled up service. Yeah. We you know we signed up the best network. Uh, our brand's the best brand, and uh, you know there's very few MBNOs left in the marketplace. Yeah, and um and we really believe that we can um you know with the best network and the next brand that we actually can go after Vodafone, um and really try to hit on Vodafone's front door. Um obviously. That's the aspirations we have, and we think we can be the third player in this market, and, and that's you know what we've got the team focused on. Neat. And uh, picking up on that, um, uh, obviously Telstra has made a lot of noise about the fact that they can't make too much uh, margin on their own MBN uh, uh, broadband services. Uh, obviously, when you're on network, you can kick your margins up. Does that does that make a, a fixed broadband using MBN just a bit more about gaining market share, or does it more play into the bundling that you're talking about? Yeah, I think it more plays in the fact that people are going to want connectivity. Yeah, you know, I'm a big believer in network steering. I think that that's the future going forward. So having a platform that can basically steer the the customer into a, a, a connectivity, whether it's broadband, whether it's fixed or wireless, whether it's 5G or 4G. Yeah. So I think that that was that, that was the big play for us. 
Um, I also think that at some point NBN will, will start to get real yeah. and start to, you know, reduce their prices and, and, and obviously allow, um, their customers to at least make some money and pass that savings on to, um, onto consumers. So I think, you know, we'll obviously be very vocal as we have been, um, in pushing for MB, you know, MBNOs and, and protection during the whole TPG voter deal. Yeah. That will be the same when it comes to MBN. We'll be, you know, holding their feet to the fire. But yeah, I, I honestly believe that going forward, it's going to be about uh, the, the all-you-can-eat kind of program, yeah. and I think that ultimately it will be through the network steering of deciding, okay, what does this customer want to do? What session are they doing? Are they doing it at home? Are they doing it on a laptop? Are they doing it on a smart TV? And then basically pushing the connectivity that suits that use. And uh, you were uh, quite vocal uh, about uh, the ACCC's recent, uh, it seemed almost like a sour grapes press release that they put out about the fact that uh, the voter TPG thing hasn't really helped competition. And, you know, you, there's pros and con arguments about that. But one thing I'd like to pick up is, uh, as you mentioned at the time, you sort of uh, suggested there are some things the ACCC could actually do that would make a positive to the MVNO market. What, what are those sort of things? Yeah, there are. And the first thing is regulation to protect them. Yeah. Right? But there's no protection for MVNOs. And you know, the, the other thing is they didn't even look at the Amazim Optus deal. Right, yeah. they just basically let that one go through to the yeah. keeper. Yeah, and and I'm sitting there going, you know, Mason's basically just Optus in another name now, right? So, and the consumers see through that, right? Yeah. You know, much as Optus will try to pretend that Mason's a separate, independent brand somewhere else, it's not. Yeah, right, it, it's yeah. Optus. Um, and and so I think they had an opportunity to look at that one. Um, and you know, you're seeing that with the SCC right now in America, looking at the Verizon track phone deal. So Verizon's trying to buy the biggest MVNO across there, and it's it's a slow hog uh, for them, and the FCC is asking a massive amount of questions. I think the ACCC basically says one thing and then does another, yeah. right? And, and they always cry sour grapes, but they have the tools and the ability to be able to protect it. Is there a big enough market in the country for a fourth network? No, yeah. there's not, right? Everybody knows that. And the fact it would force someone to do that was, was, was kind of a little crazy in my mind, but there is virtual networks like ours who with protections and regulations can provide that fourth player. Yeah, yep, that makes a lot and, of sense. Yeah, and that's that's what I was calling on. So you just got to get serious and, and stop crying over spilt milk and, you know, being a sore loser and basically get proactive and start protecting brands and companies like ours. So picking up on the innovation uh, side of things, uh, do you have any plans uh, to introduce Telstra's uh, 5G? And also, what about uh, eSIM activation? Is that something that you'd be looking at in the future as well? Well, I've been a big supporter of eSIM. I've been pushing everybody to, to get into eSIM for a long, back, I think back in 2018, I think I did out the first story around it. So absolutely, eSIM's a focus. Um, you know, on 5G, Yeah. It's still got, in my opinion, it's still got a little ways to go. Yeah. Um, so I think that the handsets are very expensive and I think the handset prices are coming down. I think there'll be a natural evolution like there was from two to three to four. So I, I'm not sitting there focusing on when do I have 5G, when do I have 5G? Yeah. Uh, there will be a natural evolution that we will be on 5G. Um, and I think it will happen when the handsets are better value and frankly, there's a better reason to explain why you would be paying more for a, a 5G service. And I just don't think that right now for our customers that that's where we need to be. So I'm not focused on getting up in the morning and going, I need 5G, I need 5G. Yeah. Um, but when our customers need it and it adds value to them and we can price it right, then absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. 
And uh, just going back to uh, the MBN uh, on the fixed broadband side, uh, the release also mentioned you'd be looking at mobile broadband. Uh, so does that mean uh, planning around uh, what Telstra's got in that space on fixed um, wireless access? Yeah, I mean, but just think about what I said before about yeah. the network steering, yeah. right, about this ability to, to not worry about where the connectivity is coming from but think about it from a consumer's perspective on, okay, I need to do a, I need to do something right now, whether it's a video session or whether it's an Instagram email, check the news. So just think about that and then, okay, what's the best use of, um, the, the, the ability for us to be able to do that? So I think ultimately that's where we want to get to. And that's why, you know, we've obviously got a long term deal with Telstra. So ultimately, the, the platforms that we want to build will allow us to get there. But in the interim, it's about offering a product and a service to a customer, to a Boost customer, and we've got quite a few of them, yeah. a Boost customer who we know he, he loves the brand, loves what we stand for, and is looking for a, a connected service. And so we'll do some different things in that space. And, uh, yeah, but I, I think you've just got to look out, you know, three or four years and, and, and think that, okay, everyone's basically going to be in some form of unlimited um, across the board, and it's just going to be now, okay, who are you buying your connectivity service off for your home, for your car, for your TV, for your phone, laptop, computer, and I think that that's where, you know, we want to set ourselves up for the future. You wouldn't uh, extend that the way uh, some players are looking at uh, into the energy market at all? You see some of the energy co's looking at trying to offer telco services. Well, anytime, anytime somebody like energy starts to offer telco services means that their core business is broken. Yeah. Um, so our core business isn't broken, um, so we don't have to sit there and there's still... Plenty of opportunity for us to grow in the postpaid space. There's plenty of opportunities for us to grow in the broadband space. Um, and so we'll continue to do that. But yeah, I always smile when I see energy coming in because it's like they're basically admitting they're a commodity. Um, they can't get a margin in electricity and now they're going to look at mobiles to try to bundle that up. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, you know, consumers want, um, someone who's singly focused on giving them the best value. And, and so you think about us, we're kind of like a network of service, right? So. We basically have networks that we're going to service and, and provide to you, and we're going to do that under the Boost brand. Well, moving on. Um, the Regional Telecommunications Review. It's held every three years, and this year is being run by Luke Hartsucker, who's the retired Nationals frontbencher, he was a shadow regional communications minister when the coalition were last in opposition prior to 2013. He moved into different roles in government and he retired from politics a couple of years ago. Now, the review kicked off their hearings this week in regional Queensland. and We took the opportunity to hear the 10-minute pitch from Luke as to what the committee is seeking to achieve and how it's going about it. Well, basically, the review has been conducted under telecommunications legislation every three years. And the role of the committee is to basically provide a report card as to the state of play in regional telecommunications and to deliver recommendations to government as to how it can be improved. We've got a well-rounded committee. I myself was a member of parliament for almost 20 years and a minister, an assistant minister in the Abbott and Turnbull governments. Prior to that, I was shadow minister for regional communications and developed our first mobile black spots program. Program, way back in 2012. Joining me on the committee, we have Christy Sparrow, a grazier and co-founder of Burr and a fearless telecommunications advocate. Also, Sue Middleton, 
a director of the Foundation for Regional and Rural Renewal and a former Rural Woman of the Year. Sue's heavily involved in agribusiness and has significant agricultural interests. Our competition expert is Michael Cosgroves, former of the ACCC, and our technical expert is Hugh Bradlow, who was at Telstra for 20 years and is currently president of the Australian Academy of Technology and Engineering. The way the process will work is it will be calling for submissions. Previous reviews had received in the order of around three to 400 submissions. Submissions to this current review are rolling in now, and we'd expect to receive around the same number. But we were planning to visit communities right around the country and hear from people where they live. Um, we developed a, an issues paper, which can be viewed on the committee's website to assist people in making a submission. Our terms of reference actually require the committee to hold public consultation sessions in regional, rural and remote Australia. But we haven't given up on that aim, so when COVID permits, we'll be out there on the ground to find out from people in the bush about their lived experience in relation to telecommunication services around the country. Our terms of reference also require us to look at how we can better coordinate state and federal programs, and we'll be meeting with a range of uh, uh, state government representatives through the review process. A part of the committee process, we're also meeting with major stakeholders such as telcos, and we've met with a number already. We'll be collating all of that information with submissions closing on the 30th of September, and we'll be reporting back to government by the end of the year. The committee is required, under its terms of reference, to investigate whether those living in regional, rural and remote Australia have equitable access to services. And our issues paper explored that issue of adequacy of services. Three main services used in the bush, of course, are mobile voice and data, fixed broadband and fixed voice service. And as you would know, mobile services are currently available to around 99.5% of the population, covering around 33% of the landmass, but the quality of that coverage varies significantly from 3G through to 5G. The quality and utility of coverage, as well as the area of coverage, are of great interest to the committee. The Mobile Black Spots program's done a great job to this point in expanding coverage, but we're now beginning to test the limits of expanding coverage through that program in a viable way. Um, the program's now mature and we're looking at what refinements may be needed to continue to expand the network or refinements of that program. Uh, we're also interested in whether approaches using new technologies could provide benefits in remote areas. Our terms of reference specifically ask us to consider the potential role of emerging technologies. With regard to broadband, the NBN was declared built and fully operational in December last year. A minimum of 25.5 broadband service is available to every Australian home or business, no matter where it's located, either through fixed line, fixed wireless or SkyMuster. The primary focus of the committee's work falls outside that NBN fixed line footprint. Uh, we're interested in the whole regional comms uh, perspective, but outside the fixed line area is where, where most of the heavy lifting needs to be done. We're very interested in the concerns of people being serviced by the ageing copper network, HCRC and wireless local loop. And it's great to see the alternative voice trials underway. Uh, we're looking at the way that we can better service those customers in those very remote locations. That's particularly in front of mind to the committee. Service reliability, 
is a huge concern. I think one of the step changes that's occurred since the last review has been the decline of use of cash in the community. Many businesses these days receive virtually no cash and COVID-19 has accelerated that trend, a trend that was already underway but greatly accelerated by COVID. So the telecommunications system has become the de facto payment system. And uh, whilst telecommunications was always extremely important, now that it's doing so much of the heavy lifting with regards to payments, it's even more important. In the recent floods, bushfires and cyclones, not only were people unable to communicate with emergency services and each other, commerce was frozen through an inability to conduct transactions. Shane Fitzsimmons, the New South Wales Commissioner of Resilience, recently told the RDA conference back in June that on the south coast of New South Wales during the bushfire disaster, it was possible to pump fuel by using a standby generator at a service station, but because the comm system was down, uh, customers were unable to pay for fuel, so they were effectively stranded in a fire zone. So the government has a number of programs in place with regards to increasing, improving network resilience, and the telecommunications companies are very mindful and are working on improving resilience but that's something very much at the front of the uh, committee's thoughts in our issues paper we raise the issue of opportunity that uh, telecommunications services is a great enabler there's so much that can be achieved from a regional location regional australia is not just a great place to live it's a great place to work it's a great place to invest and it's a great place to run a business but for regional Australia to maximise it poten- its potential, it needs quality telecommunications services. And that's something I'm really passionate about. If agriculture is going to maximise its productivity, we'll need a communication system that can support IoT across a vast landmass. If a stockbroker wants to work remotely in Broome or Birdsville or Byron Bay, his or her options will be defined by communications capacity. A positive that's come out of COVID-19, I think, is an increased awareness of just what can be achieved from a regional location. You don't have to be in Collins Street or Pitt Street to operate a successful business with the assistance of communications technology. Our issues paper raised the issue of awareness, and it's early days in the committee's deliberations, but what's becoming clear is that many people are not taking best advantage of the communications options that are already available to through lack of knowledge. Despite the best efforts through of people such as Burr and the new regional tech hub, which was a recommendation of a previous review, we're seeing that many people aren't getting the best out of the existing infrastructure. It's something we want to work up further, but uh, it's clear there's a lot more work to be done in that space to better inform people about the choices they have so that they can come up with solutions that are better suited to their needs. Countless government reviews and reports have been completed and they sit on a shelf somewhere and gather dust. I believe RTURC has been delivering recommendations over the years that have informed policy debate and have been a catalyst for change in the communications space. We're conducting the fifth such review. The recommendations from the 2018 RTURC report resulted in an additional $220 million being invested in regional comms. The regional tech hub and the regional connectivity program arose out of the recommendations of the Edwards Committee. We want to keep that process going 
But if we're going to do that, we need to hear from regional Australians right around the country. So I'd be encouraging people to make a submission to the review, have a look at the issues paper, and uh, have your voice heard in Canberra. Well, um, and Luke Hartsooker took the opportunity to join me for an interview in between hearings this week. Welcome to the show, Luke. Look, thanks, Graham. Great to be here. You've already conducted some hearings and, and that you are conducting some hearings at the moment. What types of issues have been raised so far? Well, I, the sorts of issues that are, are being raised are improvements or need for improvements in mobile uh, communications, black spots, of course, service reliability, uh, the roadblocks to getting new mobile phone towers installed through actions by state and uh, local government. And the committee has the requirement to um, look at better links, if you like, or better coordination between the different levels of government to produce better telecommunications outcomes. Um, mobile black spots is probably the big one that comes up uh, most when we we hear from uh, people out in the regional areas, uh, but there is a there are a wide range of issues. Okay, now you just mentioned as well that um, of course you were the shadow regional communications minister when the black spots policy was originally developed. So I guess that was what about ten years ago, or maybe I've I've got the the number right. on there. Um, yeah. Perhaps feel like a proud parent in some respects of that policy. How, how do you feel? about a, a decade on in terms of the difference it's made. Mobile phone black spots program has made a huge difference to the rollout of improved telecommunication services. When the, the program was originally envisaged, it was pretty much a program that was focused far more on voice than on data. And of course, IOT is a, a relatively new development. Um, so it's it's led to a... a much improved level of coverage, much improved quality of coverage. And uh, it's now a mature program. So one of the things that the committee will be looking at is the ways that we can make the uh, current mobile phone black spots program more fit for purpose so that it uh, encourages greater rollout of the of the mobile network. We're probably at the point now where we're approaching the, the limits of current technology and, and viability in rolling the network out further. Um, so we want to see what can we do with this program to uh, continue that rollout, uh, given the fact that we are now out in, in areas where there are very low population densities and significant uh, terrain challenges to delivering coverage. And you mentioned emerging technologies. and I guess the big one that everyone's excited about is LEO satellites, and of course, we've got a number of LeoSat um, products and services coming on the market at the moment. Do you, do you see that as a game changer for regional Australia? LeoSat absolutely looks like it could be a game changer for regional areas. The, the committee's probably in a little bit of a, a, a disadvantage in timing in so far as I think that's something that's going to become clearer in the relatively near future. But uh, our report date is the end of the year. So I don't think we're going to have the opportunity to fully test the, the uh, proposition as to what can LeoSat do to produce outcomes um, in regional areas. But it's something that we're enthusiastic about. It has great potential. Uh, and uh, it's something I think that's going to become clearer uh, in the very short term, I think. Okay. And you also mentioned awareness. Uh, it strikes me that that's a big one. Because 
there are actually services out there, but quite often their usage rates are below that in cities. I mean, NBN is a good example. I think they only have about 45% adoption in regional Australia compared to over 60% in urban Australia. Um, what, what ideas do you have there and, and perhaps some, some instinctive ideas that you might want to test? Well, I'd be keen to see um, more more retailers, the, the telecommunications companies coming on board and, and retailing SkyMaster services. I think that one area that where uh, regional Australia is missing out is that uh, uh, many people have access to SkyMaster. In fact, all Australians have, have access to SkyMaster no matter where you live if you, if you need an internet service. Um, and it's just a shame that people aren't taking up that option. Uh, regrettably, government advertising is incredibly ineffective in getting a message out. Uh, I know from my experience, you can you can do a great deal of government advertising, but people don't seem to hear the message, and that seems to be the case with with uh, the SkyMaster service at the moment. Many people have already said to the committee. I can't get the NBN where I live. Well, that's simply wrong. You, you may not be able to get a fixed line service and you, you may not be able to get a fixed wireless service, but you can get NBN SkyMaster everywhere. And people just don't realise that. In fact, I did a radio interview this morning and uh, a listener called in and said, the NBN is not coming to, to my area. Uh, and uh, clearly that was uh, someone who didn't know the opportunities that were available to them. And I think it's leading to, to much less than optimal outcomes for those consumers. People are probably spending a lot more money than they need to to get a service or not having a service at all. When SkyMaster is there, it's affordable. It's a good service. Many of the people who use it will absolutely swear by it. Okay. Now, finally, the review is also taking a look at the impact of COVID-19 on regional communications? Well, I think what we're going to find, and I don't want to preempt the, the process, but uh, there seems to be a significant uptick in uh, the use of, of telecommunications services, uh, that, that awareness of what can be achieved in a regional area that's developed where people are, are looking to get out of our major metropolitan areas and work remotely. Employers are, are offering staff the opportunity to, to work remotely, whereas previously that opportunity might not have been available. So there's there's potential for much greater use of, of regional communication services and communication services more generally to allow people the flexibility as to, to make a lifestyle choice as well as a commercial choice as to where they, they work from or where they operate their business from. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, thank you very much for joining us today, Luke. My pleasure. Just beat it. Well, that's it for Commerce Day Live this week. See you next time. Just beat it.